Take a seat at the table with us. My name is Anthony Brinson. I'm Deshaun Johnson. Thomas Cobb. And welcome to the Sports Roundtable. There have been some breaking news, and just to get it out the way, Mel Tucker was officially released from MSU staff, and I'll just use that literally as a transition to talk about the weekend that we just had against Washington. It wasn't a good outing. I just asked Thomas, how did he get the exact number of 41 for Washington, and I'll let him explain how he had a feeling that this wasn't going to go well. Yeah, well, for anybody who didn't listen last week, I predicted that Michigan State would fall 41-17 to to Washington, and I think y'all's predictions were for a much closer game, but yes. it, ended up, it ended up being 41-7. to And my thought process behind that was that Washington was going to move the ball at will, and I knew that coming into the game. A lot of people, I think, had faith that MSU's defense would stand tall. There's a lot of young promising talent on that team but Mm -hmm. this is a completely proven Washington offense yeah after watching that game I think it might be (laughs) the best coach quarterback receiver combination in the entire country what they're able to do X's and O's and Y's on that offense is insane I had watched their games against Boise State and I was like Michigan State isn't going to be able to stop them and I knew that they weren't going to weren't going to be able to compete in a shootout yeah and that kind of was my thought process behind the lopsided prediction, which ended up ringing true, right? Washington did move the ball at will. Michigan State couldn't get a stop for the life of them in, until the backups were put in, essentially. Yep. And offensively, it was a disaster. Yes. I think that the, the, the defense is under a lot less scrutiny than the offense because that was a chance for the offense to prove that they can play and that, that they belong, and they didn't do that. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I start off by like obviously you talked about the predictions. Um, you, you mentioned faith. I definitely you know I chose wrong last week. I just say that I'm now one and one on the prediction, so no longer on the high cloud. But I mean, I, I you know I, I mentioned just like you said, Thomas. I I chose in my heart, and maybe that was definitely a mistake. Now that I'm realizing, probably. But, I mean, we can just it was it was a rough one, and we also mentioned last week that this was going to be a showcase of whether MSU was really going to be able to stand with the competition this year. I think we kind of just mentioned that, like, no disrespect to Central Michigan or Richmond, but they just exactly, they weren't exactly what we were looking for as far as what's going to be the real comp and if MSU is really going to be a super competitive team this year. So I think we kind of got a realistic taste of that, and you know, there's there's just there's levels to this, and Washington was able to prove that to us. We can just start with Penix. I mean, the guy's amazing. You you mentioned it, dude. Like, I mean, what what, what he, twelve touchdowns? In just these last three games, he's only got one interception. He got four against us just this past game. Uh, I, I think he to- uh, threw for a total of 400-plus yards. I mean, we let up uh, MSU's defense, you mentioned. I mean, they struggled the entire game. Let up a total of 713 yards. That's a school record. Made yeah. history. Yep. Uh, the last time we let up that many, or even close to that, we let up 666 yards. I know. A little freaky. But, um, and that was back in 95 against Nebraska. So we have not seen anything like that. We just we got absolutely destroyed by their tight end. Uh, I think his name was Jack Westover. Like, I mean, like, just overall, the defense struggled. Um, the entire game, it just seemed like we were in a fight that we were not prepared for whatsoever. Um, and I, I just think that I, if you were at that game or if you've seen anything, the stands were showed. I mean, like, it was, it, I was there. It was completely packed by the beginning of the game. And I tell you, by halftime, it was it was, uh, it was was empty. The only seats that were actually filled was the top bowl, and that was all Washington fans. So a lot I of just, purple in there at the <laughs> end. There was a lot of purple. So, I mean, just in all, in all seriousness, I think we got a huge reality check this last Saturday. And 
I don't want to say that it's the end of the world, but I think it shows this is what we're going to have to do for the rest of the year. I mean, this that Washington show we're going to have to be. And, and like you mentioned, Thomas, that Washington's a really good team. I think I, I seriously think Penix actually has a shot of like being a serious Heisman potential like player this year. He's been phenomenal, and so I just we're gonna have to really figure it out. There's gonna be a lot of eyes on the team and uh, and, and on Harlan Barnett. Obviously, it's homecoming weekend, so this is gonna be just as big as last week. And Maryland coming up is a really good team. So overall, we just right. we, we got reality checked on Saturday. We got to figure it out. Yeah, just touching on a few things that you just talked about. For one, Harlan Barnett. I don't put any of this on the coaching no, staff. No. This was and Harlan Barnett himself even admitted it. This past week, there was. Uh, it was just super disorganized. He yes. essentially spent all week meeting with his players instead of being on the practice field, which yep. is understandable because as a coach in that situation, you want to be able to sit down with each and every player, and right. that's what he did. I think that this could end up becoming a really big problem for MSU yes. on the on the gridiron. This is headed in a very bad direction. He currently have no no head coach. But I don't put any of this blame on the coaching staff outside of the offensive and defensive coordinators because those players were clearly not put in a position to win. No, not at on all. On Saturday. And I just, I, I'll never forget just the air getting sucked out of that place. I mean, there was the Rose Bowl team, Coach D on the Jumbotron. Yeah. The team runs out to Thunderstruck, which was kind of, you know, the staple of that, of those years when they won 31 out of 34. And. All of a sudden, we get the ball, Michigan State gets stopped, and Washington comes down and scores in like four plays. Yep. And I remember thinking, this game's over. Yeah. We were going to have to come out and punch them in the mouth in order to stand a chance, and we did not do that. After we went three and out, actually I think we got a first down, and then punted. Yes. They come down. First play, I think it was, he hit someone up the seam, mm-hmm. and there was not a defender within no 15 yards of him on all four sides. Mm-hmm. And that's when I just thought this is this is the same old Spartans that we watched last year where you can't really put a ton of the blame on the players. I mean, they there's nobody in, in a position to make this play. Yeah. That's on the defensive coordinator, that's on the scheme. And that's just sort of my 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 overall point. This is not headed in, in the right direction. I think Michigan State realistically could finish this year 2 and 10. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem when it comes to the future. In this we're looking at, you know, anywhere from a year to five to ten years of setback. But like you said, Washington is, I think, the real deal. I don't yes. think Michael Penix needs to be playing college football. <laughs> no, he, I mean. His first half stat line, 375 yards, four touchdowns. I think he was 27 for 35 yeah. through, through the air. So they threw the ball 35 times, and we Michigan State just did not stand a chance the entire get go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and throwing the ball over the field. I mean, like you mentioned, by the by the end of the first half, we had the ball for almost a minute total more than them, and they had already had two hundred plus more yards than us in the air. It, uh, uh, oh, nearly almost two hundred and fifty plus yards total, just in general. It was it was a crazy first half, and it just seemed. I, I don't know if you guys had the chance, but those the the, the quarters seemed very long. That's a whole other issue with what was going on with the referees, but. It was even longer for MSU fans because just every play, it just seemed like we were getting dominated on both fronts. So, like you mentioned, we were just in bad positioning for both those plays. I don't understand 
how like I, like Penix—he's really good, but it seems like we had no answer for this guy. And the scouting report would tell you that this is what he does. Like he literally does this. The guy's got one interception, and I mean, like otherwise he's been great, phenomenal. He's number one in QB rating right now. It's the the guy's insane. So and, and just to mention, I don't know how much we're gonna talk about Maryland, but we're literally coming up to face another quarterback and uh, Tonga Vailoa that moves perfectly in the pot pocket, and that, that we had no answer for that this week. So you mentioned things not going in the right direction for these next couple of years. They may not be going in the right direction for this next game, depending on how we play it out. Yeah, Washington or sorry, Maryland. I think is a mini Washington. Washington Junior. They're not the same team when it comes to up front on the edges, but. They're very similar in the pocket yep. with uh, Talia Tungvaloa yeah. to his brother. He's given Michigan State some problems in yes. his career, sure and I has. think he's actually a very underrated player when it comes to, you know, in the Big Ten, you think about all these big names in the past few years, Justin Fields, E.J. Stroud, J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, You sort of lose sight of Talia, yeah. and he's a, a really, really good player, and Definitely. I think that he poses a lot, a lot of problems for Michigan State when it comes to his pocket presence, but also his ability to get out. But, like I said, watch any zero first down yeah. <laughs> or zero third down conversions for Washington in the first half, meaning they never reached yeah third down, and never when they did, to. they 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 couldn't get it right. And so the fact that they had zero third down conversions in the first half and put up thirty five points, I think says a lot about not just the way of the game and the talent gap but it says a lot about the coaching yeah and those players i'll say it again were nowhere near in the, the right position to make plays totally agree and it's just unfortunate to see the mismatch because like y'all mentioned like it was if i'm not mistaken like the anniversary of the rose bowl yes. like everybody had came forth to bring the energy up after all the news about um, mel tucker and then it just goes downhill from the blowout to him officially being fired. You guys mentioned the staff. And I'm interested to ask y'all, is there any way that they'll be able to bounce back? Because coincidentally enough, I'm going to my first football game this weekend. This Woo. will be the Maryland game that I'll be attending. And I would rather not see another loss, especially a blowout. So y'all mentioned to his brother, which I forgot he was over there. It makes me even more concerned. So just how do you guys think Michigan State can come back? Because if they go 2-10, that mean they lose out the rest of the year, right? I can I can kind of play play good cop here. <laughs> Michigan State, I think, will have a much better showing next week, not just because of they realize what they need to work on, but because there's going to be a little more continuity with just everyday practice. They're going to have Harlan Barnett, the new head coach, in the building every day. They're going to sort of find – they're going to be closer to finding a blueprint of success Whereas Washington, it was kind of a, a unknown test for them. And I think even the players knew that. You don't win in college football on game day. You win in college football during the week. That's that's a fact at this point. Like These players, I'm sure as excited they are as they are about game day, you win during the week. And I think they're going to put a lot more emphasis on that. So in terms of the on-the-field product, yeah, I think – You'll be you'll be much happier with going to this one as opposed to going to the one last week. And who knows? Maybe Michigan State pulls one out. They, maybe the they rally behind the home crowd. We might see Caden Hauser, the freshman QB, yeah. get some snaps in meaningful minutes. And if he ends up succeeding, I think Michigan State fans will in, and end up winning. They'll leave the game, you know, ecstatic about not just that game but the future. Yeah, it it would be a big win once. 
if that if that were to happen, I think we can start to talk about going bowling. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I like trying once again trying to add on to the thing you said, Thomas. Like, I mean, one way I think that we really have a chance to bounce back. Obviously, like you're right. Barnett's gonna have a whole another week to be able to really get in sync with his team. Um, I like you said, as a being a head coach, I understand what his methods were last week. You know, trying to just get in reason with his team and trying to figure things out, get everyone's heads tied back on straight. But this week, it's 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 back to the gridiron. It's back to really trying to figure it out. I'm sure you know. I, uh, Harlan is really tied in, or Harlan is really tied in with the community. I'm sure he understands how much his game means to the Spartans. It's it's a it's it's homecoming. So you know we had a we had the Rose Bowl team there last week. We're gonna have just more alumni there this week. Everyone's gonna be there. Everyone's gonna be expecting big from them. And I obviously Washington, like I said, they they gave us a chance to see what we're gonna have to start facing against this year. And although Maryland may not be as good, they're an undefeated team. Um and. They have a really good quarterback out there, so I just think that we have to get our offense and defense both prepared much better than we were against Washington. Um, the only I mentioned a little like a uh, little bonus that like this last week, Maryland has not played against any Big Ten teams yet, so that you know Michigan State, Michigan State would be the first team they see in the Big Ten. Um, Neither has Michigan State. True, but I'm hoping Michigan State has played. This the most the most toughest game of the schedule so far. Um, I I know that Maryland's had some t- tougher games, but <clears throat> I think that this will hopefully be a better showing for MSU because they'll be much more prepared this week. I think that we'll just have a better opportunity to go out there and really try and show for ourselves because this is going to be kind of one of our last showings, like you mentioned. It. I think that another big loss. I'm not saying that it's going to be like the absolute killer, but it's going to put us in a really tough position as far as trying to see any type of playoffs or anything like that later, like uh, any good standings for the playoffs later, anything like that, uh, trying to win anything for the Big Ten. So I just, I, before we get too far ahead, you know, like I think you'll have a lot of fun regardless of the fact, Anthony, it's going to be a homecoming game, so we definitely enjoy that. But uh, I wouldn't, um, ho- I wouldn't base the entire experience off an MSU win. Let's just put it that way. Definitely understandable and. I appreciate Thomas for playing devil's advocate, but I'm interested in the actual <laughs> predictions. Like, what do you guys think? Now that we've got the niceness out the way, do y'all think MSU is actually going to pull it off, or am I in for a rude awakening? I haven't necessarily work? thought about it score-wise. I do think that Michigan State will continue to struggle on both sides of the ball. It And, like, the first two games of the year were nowhere near pretty. I mean, Michigan State fans were booing during those first two games at some point. And... So it just, to me, Talia uh, presents too much of a threat. He reminds me a lot of Penix in the way that he gets the ball to his guys and makes plays. And I think Michigan State's offense is not not necessarily going to go anywhere until there's a change in coaching staff. Yeah. This this is an offense under Jay Johnson that has only succeeded with the likes of Kenneth Walker, Jaden Reed, and Jalen Naylor, all of which are NFL guys. Some of them are all pros and offensive rookie of the year. At the next level. Yeah, and, absolutely. and I think that look kinda in retrospect, right now, I wouldn't say they're dead man walking at this point, but they are absolutely f- playing every single Saturday for their jobs. And it just doesn't make sense to me that Kenneth Walker, Jaden Reed, and Jalen Naylor won in spite of this coaching staff. Like, that just sort of blows my mind that they went 11-2 and two with the kind of underpreparedness that we've seen on the field outside of that 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, I just... I, uh, I, if 
I'm being totally honest. I just think that I agree with you, Thomas. I think that Tango Valoa is too much of a threat. I just seem that we very, we struggled very much against a quarterback that's able to bounce around in that pocket and escape when he has to. Neither of them really rushing quarterbacks, but we never even forced them to have to really bounce out of the pocket. So I'm not sure what we're going to see if we're going to try and force them. I think Tango Valoa is actually like I think he's only had one game where he's had more than one carry for positive yards. So I, hopefully we can try and do something with that. Maybe try and force him out and make him run a little bit, but. Maryland's had some pretty good games. Some, I mean, like I mean, another game. I, I think in two of their back-to-back games, they came from a fourteen-zero deficit. So I mean, that they, 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 they know how to stay strong. They right. know how to keep their poise. And I just think that maybe kind of the opposite of what's been happening with MSU. I think that not. I think that we've been able to find our poise, but unfortunately, it doesn't happen too late in the game. Like I think that our very first game against CMU, it started off very rocky. Offense and defense weren't able to figure out, and we luckily were able to pull out in the second half of that game. Um, Richmond is a little bit of a different case, but then we said we go back over to Washington, and it seems like we kind of got certain things figured out in the second half, bearing the fact that you mentioned that right. obviously Washington did definitely throw in some secondary players there. So, but I just I, if we do that again, I don't think that we'll be able to really succeed in the in the Maryland game. So I mean, I'm thinking that like it's I want to go I like once again like and this is more just head talking. I think that maybe like our, our, I think our defense has been somewhat impressive in certain games. So I would like to say that we're going to be able to show. Let's I don't go. think it'll be seven hundred yards. I'll, I'll just say no. That. It definitely won't be seven hundred yards. It's going to be something more reasonable. And I think that maybe we're we'll get on the board. But I'm not seeing maybe the offense struggle last week. I'm looking at like a fourteen twenty eight game here, Maryland. I'm personally looking for Caden Hauser to get some reps yeah. in the first half and not against the backups. Like I think, and I share that with a lot of Michigan Staters, you want to see the kid mm-hmm. work against a Big Ten first-ring defense. Mm-hmm. And if he can do that, give him the reins. There's absolutely no harm in doing that at this point now that we've established you know, we're not competing for the Big Ten. Right. And I think that the best thing would to do would be to look at this kid and say, if you're going to prove it now, it's yours. I think he and he slightly had some momentum the last game. I mean, yeah, he obviously got us the only touchdown we had. It was a it was right. a great diving touchdown. I will say, like I mean, like it, that just shows that just shows attitude. I mean, that shows one, especially in the game where we're at that point, we're we're down and out. You know what I mean? And they sub Hauser in, and he goes out there and he tries the ball. That shows that he's ready to play. He's ready to show that he can do this. Losing, winning, starting the game, coming off the bench, it doesn't matter. So I, I agree with you. I hope I definitely think that like Noah Kim was uh very exciting. You know, he won he won Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, but it just seems like he it's hard for him to get it going early and we can't yeah. keep having these late starts. I'm not necessarily crediting as much that touchdown against Washington. I mean he went ninety nine yards as right. the as the quarterback. There's something to be said for that. It was against the backups. Yes. But I think it definitely provokes the the thought and the idea that this is a guy that could be next up, yep. and it would be a disservice to him and to the program to have him waste away on the sidelines Agreed. for this entire year. When, I mean, Noah Kim, outside of that game against Richmond, a FCS team, yeah, he hasn't proven really much at all. Correct. Made some really nice throws in those first two games. He found he never found a rhythm against Washington, mm-hmm. and I think that with him at the helm, the the ceiling is much lower. I agree. So for this game. I'm going to predict a 33-14 to 14 ball game. All right, pretty close. I like that. I like that prediction. Hopefully we can stay tied. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And you assume in 33 Maryland, correct? 33-14 to 14 Maryland. Yes. So I hope Sorry. both of y'all are wrong for enjoyment's oh, sake. But like Deshaun mentioned earlier, at the end of the day, just the experience of being there in the MSU community and 
getting to see a football game live because I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I think I've only went to like one, like my high school football oh, okay. game, and then oh, completely I different. can't remember if I've ever been to like a Lions game. So this is one of my like new new experiences. So what, what's your plans? Are you going with anybody to the tailgate? Yeah, before? you know, luckily I will be going with my girlfriend. It's going to be in celebration of our anniversary, which is this Thursday, September 21st. Congratulations! And thank you, I appreciate it. Big and man. this is going to be her first football game as well, so I'm excited and. We've been talking about coaching staff and the unfortunate mishaps of our coaching staff, but down there in Colorado, it's a guy down there, Coach Prime, doing a phenomenal job. And I'm, I for, forgot, actually, I was thinking that Thomas is actually a Denver fan. So I'll let him take the floor about <laughs> Prime. He actually thought about when we were talking in the uh, group chat before we recorded to bring this up. So I'll let him take the floor. Right. And I would say right now, Colorado – University of Colorado is my best football team at the moment. <laughs> That's great. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, they're not even like my number one team anywhere. Yeah, I'm a Michigan State guy first. Yep. I'm a I'm a Alabama Crimson Tide guy second. Okay. Have a uh, line of family went there. Okay. And then I'm Colorado because my dad went there for for uh, to get his MBA. Okay. But it was my second choice for schooling. I was either going to come to East Lansing or go to Boulder, uh-huh, and Boulder. I'm very glad I chose East Lansing. But yeah, yeah. You know, there's something to be said about being down in Boulder right now. That would be that would be something. That would be a, a heck of a time. I can only imagine. But I I wanted to talk less about their their game because I actually think that that game against Colorado State, as well as the first half against Nebraska, kind of showed their true colors. Like yeah. they have shortcomings. They're not. I guess I wouldn't say they're there yet in terms of competing for a title or even the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pac-12 is stacking up to be the best division in college football this year right. and so or best conference in college football this year and so that's I didn't necessarily want to harp on that they're playing as much as much as how surprised I've been seeing Dion take on this good guy class act role yeah. because he was as flashy and as cocky a player as there maybe has ever been Yes, and so entering this and I always kind of had those vibes from him at Jackson State, and it's because he wasn't in the limelight like he is now. Yeah. I, I always kind of saw him coach-wise as that same guy, mm-hmm. sort of arrogant, cocky. Yeah. But when it comes to when it comes to the X's and O's, when it comes to being on the field, I have been blown away by his demeanor, by his humility, and that is the exact opposite of what I expected with yeah. him coming in, especially taking this Power Five job, and yep. especially with them seeing success, I would have I would have guessed the complete complete opposite that he would you know be fueling the fire and running his mouth. But in fact, it's 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 the exact opposite. I mean, he's commending players from the other team. Yep. I remember we can, we can get into the the hit on Travis Hunter right now if you want to. He today in a press conference said. You know that man does not deserve what he's getting because the player has been receiving some threats on social media. Yeah, no place for that in football. <clears throat> Just want to say that no place for that in football or really anywhere. Right. And Dion acknowledged that and he echoed that. And you know that's not something that I would really see out of Dion until now. Right. We we haven't seen that kind of class act, humble guy. You know we've only seen this sort of brash, outspoken. Uh, flashy uh, football player and so I've just been really blown away and really 
honestly excited to see what he can do as a leader of young men. I mean, these guys all look up to Dion as a father figure. Totally and that's agree. evident in all the videos. Mm -hmm. They see him as the guy. And I think that that's the most important thing when it comes to college sports is do you believe in your leader? I mean, this is this is a sport, but it's also coming of age. You gotta you gotta raise young men. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that I think that Prime has been quite the the icon for college football that he was for the NFL at one point in time. I mean, there's a couple of different guys, and like I'm not even gonna go into a tangent, but I mean, just like to name one other guy that I can think of, like to go to a different sport. When LeBron James, like you know, like no matter whether you love or love him or hate him, I'm sure that when he's done with basketball, he will be able to be iconic whatever he decides to go into. It could be coaching, it could be entertainment, and like I'm just sure that he would be able to succeed. He just seems like one of those personalities. Right. That is exactly what Prime does. He is one of these personalities where I feel like this guy can do anything. Like I, I wouldn't doubt Prime in anything. And I will say there was definitely some skepticism coming into this year, but it, I don't think that it was really to do with Prime. I think that it had to do with him trying to build a completely new program in an offseason, which is unheard of. Uh, I mean, 1-11 last year, Denver, they go out there in Boulder, Colorado. So 1-11, that seems like an impossible feat to come back and to be ranked in the AP Top 25. Like, I mean, like, you're taking down TCU, you're taking down Nebraska. Th those are some crazy feats. And, and you mentioned just, like, looking at the, the hospitality part of it, like the – father figure that this guy's being he you know he's mentioned it especially for some of these young black players you know obviously he's coming from jackson state and, and like doing hbcus he he knows that like i mean like there's a lot there's a lot of, unfortunately um young black kids that are left without father figures in their lives and the only venue that they have is sports and coaches that are the closest thing that they ever end up having and Dion has fully accepted that role you can see i mean like after the first after the very first game he had of course he's going to sit there and like speak confidently of his son Shador and then Travis but he's putting their names out there like he's mentioning like he's already mentioning like things like Heisman and stuff like that and of course it's 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 funny it's still the flashy Dion but then you start talking about how he's been able to be humble in so many different situations and talk about the process that it's been it's not it hasn't just been all about the outcome um, I would also like. I mean, I would agree that there's definitely still a road to come. Um, obviously, I, you you mentioned the hit. It seems that Travis is going to be out for at least a few weeks, and they do have two pretty big games coming up: one against Oregon, and then they have another one against Kayla Williams and USC. So, <laughs> yeah, I, right. So yeah, you know, they're they're definitely going to have some big hills to climb in front of them. However, regardless of the fact, I just I think that what he's done for that program is absolutely amazing. You're right. Like obviously, he does have an actual son on that team, but you wouldn't even know. You would literally think that, besides the fact that his last name's Sanders, you would think that every single one of those boys on that team are his kids. So I'm super excited for Colorado, and I definitely think that the program will really start to kick in more and more over these next couple of years because it's the one thing that you're kind of able to see that they don't have is linemen on both sides and. To be able to win in college football, you need linemen. Like, it's going to be impossible. Like, you could have all the skilled players in the world, which right. they evidently have. They got some great kids on that team. For sure. However, you're going to need a line to be able to say, like, keep Shador protected, to be able to create more time. And, and it, you know, because Shador is showing he's a pocket passer. He's not He's not, He's not. not one of these Russian guys. I mean, like, he is a clean pocket passer. Yeah. But he, he's definitely going to need some more time out there. But I, big things, I think, coming out of there in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado. And they did struggle with the pressure against Colorado State. That was kind of Colorado State's MO yep. for the first, like, for basically the entire game except for the last drive in overtime. Yep. They were bringing the pressure. It was working, and for some reason, 
they got out of it. Yes. They I, they started to play prevent defense. They they got passive. Yeah. Colorado comes down, scores. Just not just the touchdown, the two point conversion. Two point conversion. Man, bring it into drive. overtime. Come away with the win. And after the game, because uh, Dion's son Shiloh, who yeah. plays safety for the yep. for the Buffaloes, got a pick six in the game, and he said after the game that there's just certain moments as a coach where he he's a dad. Yeah. And he said running down that sidelines, watching his son take it to the house, that was one of those moments for him. And I just yeah. thought that was super cool to see that human side of him. Yeah. And I was waiting for him to start high stepping it. <laughs> if that the defender, if that defender had or. Technically, he was on offense, but yeah. if he had, hadn't caught up to him, I really think we would have seen a, a number 21 Sanders on the back of the jersey high yeah. step into the end zone. That would have been be, nice. That would just be poetry, man. That would just be poetry. But I don't see how, like, if you're a Nick Saban or you're one of these old, like, successful coaches with a, with a great pedigree, I don't see how you can look at Dion and this Colorado team and think to yourself, I'm moving in, in the right direction. Yeah. You know, like, it has to be kind of intimidating for these older guys to see this kind of swagger and this young talent take over in this new age of the transfer portal, name, image, likeness. I mean, yeah. Dion is dominating that stuff. Dion is the coolest guy in the room, man. Everybody he, wants to be like that guy, He is man. dominating a transfer portal in terms of, you know, they want a one game, and they right. fielded an entire team of, of three and four stars, at the yeah. very least. And Travis Hunter being at will hurt them. I, d- I don't like their chances against either of those teams. Yes. I would say I like a little bit of a hot take. I like their chances against USC better than against Oregon. Wow. Because wow. I think if they can move the ball against USC, okay. I think that that, that could t- potentially be a really, really fun to watch game, mm-hmm. shootout. But against Oregon, I don't. I think they get pummeled. I, Oregon's defense so Oregon's stout. killing they're, this year. They're going to come after them defensively harder mm-hmm. than anybody will probably all year yeah. unless they – reach the college football playoff right and then Oregon's offense is is it's probably a step down from USC but mm-hmm. it it hums I mean Bo Nix is back he's got an arm yeah he's uh he's a great quarterback and I think that Oregon poses more problems both sides of the ball than than USC does but just overall Dion is he's that guy right now in college football he's he's guy. him and I think he's here to stay I think he's gonna stay at Colorado for a long time yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And just one little, th- one more thing, like added on to like his humility and like his the humbleness of him. Um, I think I seen another thing today that um, Dion was just talking about Shador and Shiloh, and he was just he's not he was talking about how he's not even ready for them to move on to the next stage. Like he wants to be their coach, he wants to be that dad coach, and it's just it's amazing. Like you mentioned, Thomas, just to see him not only yeah, be that great right. coach figure, but he's a great father figure. Absolutely. So. And just seeing the star power that he brought from himself to Colorado was amazing. Like, I don't know if y'all saw this clip. He had The Rock in the locker room he recently. He and had everybody there. Just the impact that he's had in a good way to build these guys up and build up the program. I mean, I saw a tweet that said, it's like it's, he's playing my career. Like, Dion had his Hall of Fame career, one of, if not the greatest cornerback of all time, and now a coach, and now Colorado at the moment is undefeated. And... He has his boys on the team. They're probably going to go to the NFL just like their dad. And it's a magical story. And speaking of the NFL, unfortunately, on that side of football, it's been it's been rough. Um, we got a lot of injuries, quarterback struggles, and it's just been unfortunate to tackle the injury, injuries part first. It's been unfortunate to see, like, the Nick Chubbs, the Austin Ecklers, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, just the constant injuries, I mean – they're going to happen because, I mean, it's, it's football and it's a contact sport. And 
everything, but it's just unfortunate to see. And Deshaun literally showed me the Nick Chubb injury, and if you if you got a weak stomach, like don't look at it. Like it's just very unfortunate to see his career go the way it has at this point. Because if I'm not mistaken, Deshaun, you said he's already had surgery on that knee. Yes, correct? yes, this would be his second knee reconstruction. And I wish the best for everybody that got injured, but specifically Nick Chubb, because. If you're re-injuring something, especially to the magnitude of how he did it, that's that's not a good look. And, yeah, anything you want to add, Tom? Yeah, it was a really scary injury. I mean, they, there's a reason they didn't show it. on. They didn't replay on the broadcast. Yes, which I, I think we are. I saw a lot of people online saying that they wish they cut out the sound because, you know, him on the ground, on the field, it was, it was chilling. pretty brutal. Yeah. Pretty brutal. And as someone who's been, you know, 20 yards away on the sideline from a guy who blew out his knee completely – it, it doesn't feel good. No. It, it doesn't feel good. It completely deflates you, regardless of, of what, whatever's happening in the game. It completely right. deflates you. takes all the air out of you. And I just I just hate the fact that, I mean, obviously, like you said, Ant, injuries happen. They're a part of the game. I hate the fact that there's so many prominent injuries early on here. The Rodgers one was a huge stain. You know, that, that Jets team have the potential to, to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers back there. And... Now that that's just not going to happen. I mean, they're they're headed straight for the dump this year, unfortunately, unless they have a miracle turnaround at, at quarterback. Yeah. But like you said, Aaron Jones and this Nick Chubb <laughs> one was just the icing on the cake. I mean, a guy who's as solid as they come. I think he's third all time for most yards per carry yep. for anybody with over 500 carries in their career, and he's third most all time behind uh, Bo Jackson and Jamal Charles. So I think that just speaks a lot for the kind of player he is but it just it just it, it's really heartbreaking to see and like you said and it's it's part of the game but the the prominence of the injuries are, are it's not drawing anybody in it's it's pushing people away definitely yeah and to take a little bit of a more lighthearted perspective of it i mean fancy football ironically i was playing nick chubb and the guy who had um nick chubb he sent me a message like hey great game but it's over and then mm-hmm. on one end it's just like okay it's good that like especially fancy football if that's something you're into that you move on to the next matchup but end of the day we're football fans first and to see these type of injuries happen to these type of players is just it's unfortunate and it's struggling to watch and speaking of struggles there's been a cincinnati Bengals, a certain cincinnati quarterback who most paid player in the NFL right now going through this. It's been a pretty interesting struggle that I've seen. It's been one of the uh, more confusing struggles I've seen in recent history. And, like, if I'm not mistaken, I was talking to my dad. Like, Jamal Jamar Chase has also been struggling. And do y'all got any, like, explanation? Deshaun, can you fill me in on the Bengals? I haven't watched a snap uh, for the first two games for them. And, obviously, they're going through it. Like, what's going on? Yeah, so, I mean, so – First of all, we can just start off by saying this this exact thing happened with the Bengals last year. Uh, Burrow had some incidents that uh, that happened that I, that made him miss a lot of training camp, and the Bengals started off really rocky. But, you know, we ended up seeing what they turned out to be last year. However, I don't think that that's going to be the case this year. I think that there's a lot of weird things going on with the Bengals. And if we bring it back to just a couple weeks ago, Joe Burrow had still not been paid, and we've seen all these quarterbacks getting different contracts, right. including Justin Herbert, who had became the highest-paid quarterback in the league. So... There's some skepticism going on there. What's going on with this contract? And now maybe you think that Cincinnati was maybe worried about the injury that's going on with Burrow because he finally gets the contract. And what happens? He tweaks his calf again. And I just think that overall, it's it's a it's we're not like if the panic button is sitting right here on this desk, 
I'm not hitting it yet. No. If I'm Cincinnati, but nope. I'm t- it's right there though. I like. I mean, I, I like. It, it's close because Joe Burrow. I don't know if it was his decision. I don't know if it was coaching staff's decision, but he got rushed back, and rushing him back was obviously a terrible decision. This guy's tweaked his calf again. You guys are zero and two, and you may lose him for a couple of weeks now. It's looking like, like I like I heard that the line was incredibly in Cincinnati's favor up into I want to say just what like maybe Sunday. Now it's a lot closer, and there's skepticism that Joe Burrow will not be playing this wow. next game. And not only will he not be playing this next game, there's potential that he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, which isn't good because, I mean, they got games against the Rams, Titans, the Cardinals, and the 49ers for their next four games. And I, besides the Cardinals, I don't see them pulling any of those games out with, without Joe Burrow because and you mentioned Jamar Chase is struggling too. And it's nothing on Jamar Chase. I'm not condemning him. I mean, I, he's a great player, and I'm not saying he's not the elite receiver that he was last year. But he can't do it without Joe Burrow. None, they are not going to be able to succeed whatsoever without that guy. And I just think that rushing him back was the wrong decision. And he needs to get shut down, not for the season, but until he's ready to go again. Because without him, you, your whole franchise is in shambles. And you just gave the guy all the money in the world. And we have no idea what's coming now. And, like, I'm not ready to write the Bengals off yet. I'm not hitting the panic button. But this is not the 0-2 that happened last year. This is nothing the same. I might hit it if they lose the next week. Yeah, honestly, or if they if they refuse to show that they're playing better football. Yep. Like I said, I haven't been paying attention to them at all this year, but it doesn't look good on the stat sheet. No. Like it looks very very gruesome. T Higgins not getting a, a catch in week one. Nope. They fall to the Ravens at home. That's a game they have to win. If they want to if they want to be in the spot that they've been in the past two years, they need to beat to be a division rival like that yep. at home against. Quite honestly, an inferior team. Yeah, across the board, is it is it their defensive struggles? It's it, it's a combination of them not being able to figure things out on offense, and obviously we know the main reasoning of that. And they're high, they're a very high powered offense. That it, last year, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but I know I mean there was multiple games where they had shootouts, and they were a team that although they're going to get scored on, they're just going to score. They're going to score right, more. Right. And without being able to outscore any teams okay. right now, it's just it's been a struggle for them. Like overall, and that you mentioned they lost to the Ravens. Their first game, their first loss. This happened last year as well. They they seem to lose to the Browns a lot, but it was to the Cleveland Browns. They're zero and two in divisional games right now. Browns are playing good football. Yes, the Browns are playing great football, and they seem to always have Cincinnati's number. I cannot explain the reasoning by that. If I was a big betting guy, I would have literally said I would have bet on the Browns to win to win game one because it just seems like they can constantly whether Joe Burrow's good, whether he's not, or injured or not. Like I mean, like they've had their number, but it, it's just it's 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 honestly like stunning to see what's happening with the Bengals because like people have kind of started to look at the Bengals as like the Bills the Bills were right. constantly on the tails of the Chiefs you know f- seeing them in the AFC championship games but they just weren't able to overcome then you got the you got you got the Bengals that are you know they got more wins against the Chiefs than any other team in the league oh, and yeah. yet they now they're looking like they're because I think everyone's kind of selling their stock a little bit on the Bills and it might be time for people to start selling their stock on the Bengals as well well I think that either of those teams still have a chance this year. I mean, it's way too early to be making, like, that kind of decision that, like, they're falling out of that team, falling out of that spot as the team that's Mm -hmm. chasing the Chiefs. But I think the Chiefs have some shortcomings this year, too. Oh, yes, they do. Obviously, they're still working some guys back. Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones is going to be back. Yeah. But it just... It feels like this is maybe the most parity we've had in a long time mm-hmm. in the NFL, and that feels and it feels the same way in college football. Yeah, like who's the best team in college football right now? There's there's a lot of different people that you could. You can make an there. argument that it's it's Washington or yeah. Texas yeah. or any of these like 
top five teams that have played out of their minds right. early on, but you really just have no idea until we get into the meat of the season. Someone's going to lose a game. Someone's going to get upset, yeah. and that's where it gets fun. But I think the most fun thing is that we don't have a team that is just going to dominate every game. Like, right. Georgia's not looking nearly like they did in the past two years. I mean, yeah. they got some they got some, some work to do on the offensive, offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And it's just, I honestly really like it because because both of my teams are, uh, let's just say, struggling. Uh-huh. Michigan State and the Denver Broncos. Now that I don't have to worry about those two teams making any noise, right. I can worry about the league. And I think that it, the league right now is in a really good spot with just the parity. And we're able to, to witness basically in a free-for-all when it comes to, to, totally. to playing in February. Yeah. Yeah, from an entertainment standpoint, it's been incredible. Like I was watching a Giants game because I had Saquon Barkley, unfortunately another player Wonderful who game. got injured, and seeing the Giants come back from that deficit was incredible. And mm. then from the college standpoint, I was looking at Michigan State's schedule just to see like the make sure like the Maryland game is this weekend and everything. And you mentioned y'all mentioned the best teams in college football. Is it true that Michigan is at number two in the country? They like are. that they are currently ranked number two. Is ironic from Michigan State perspective, but just from a sports fan perspective and being in Michigan like that's incredible I haven't seen them rank that high in a minute so like you guys mentioned just the variety we got right now in sports is incredible and I couldn't pick anybody on the college end to win it all right now and I couldn't pick anybody on NFL especially with all these injuries and teams are trying to formulate everything but it's just been good to watch and I don't know if you guys got anything um, else to mention before we ended off here but I just wanted to give you guys credit as host because I wanted to use this platform as Sports Roundtable to take a seat and take a back seat to you guys, especially when y'all talking about college football and give y'all a platform and just to give y'all more of y'all flowers. I mean, we got Thomas who came after class, make sure that he got here at a certain time. And we got Deshaun who's been very busy, you know, give yourself some credit working for Peacock this last weekend and the weekend coming up and being new to state news, having the impact you already have. I mean, I'm just happy that I can give you guys this platform and see y'all shine. It wouldn't be possible without you, man. No, 100%. Yeah, like I said, bro, you have to give yourself a huge pat on the back as well, man. This is, I mean, you're running everything over here. You just invited us to come do this with you. And I think uh, me and Thomas both are just super appreciative of that. So, like, really, do we appreciate everything. And he's the new diversity rapper. Yeah, congratulations. I seen that message come through the Slack the other day. A round of applause to yourself, man, 100%. Huge, I appreciate that. Huge. And sometimes I struggle giving myself the pat on the back, but I look back and realize, like, wow, like, I'm in, like, a lot of stuff and I'm trying to help this newsroom the best way I can mm-hmm. and y'all, y'all say y'all couldn't do it without me but I really couldn't do it without y'all or like the host of All Shade of Chocolate or there's a hopefully if things go as planned another podcast is going to be a part of state news wow. and I'm nice. just trying to bring it all together so with that being said I appreciate anyone who took a seat with us today I'm Anthony Brinson Sean Johnson Thomas Cobb and this has been the Sports Roundtable thank you guys for listening thanks y'all